Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. Brand new Flyers Daily for the 13th of December, 2023. Flyers Daily presented by Ticketmaster. Make more memories live. Unfortunately, Flyers fall in Nashville against the Preds by a final score of 3-2 to two in overtime. Just 18 seconds into overtime, the Predators get the win on Philip Forsberg's goal. We'll break it down in just a minute. Flyers did have two, four, four assists in the game. That means that they have 120 pounds of food that will be donated to local communities in need as part of the Flyers and Penn Medicine's the Penn Medicine Assist. Let's get to the details. Let's break it down. As the Flyers manage to get a point, usually, last couple of years especially, I was a guy that was, ah, the loser point. Yeah, the extra point you get in overtime, whatever. Well, when you're out of it and you're not chasing anything in the standings, it's easy to be coy about the loser point. The, the extra point you get uh, for just getting to overtime. Uh, but frankly, this is a big point, like the point was against the Devils. Uh, like the two points Pittsburgh got in the back-to-back game against the Flyers by getting it to overtime. Those two points matter because when you're playing for positioning in the standings, that point does actually mean something. It doesn't mean I like the system. I'm not saying I do. But you'll take the point in this circumstance, and you'll get out of the road trip possibility of six points on this road trip Flyers get five of the six pretty good trip uh, indeed and, and they came back in this game down multiple goals to nothing and they come back in the game and they get it tied and they did it I think through just sheer hard work I thought that they worked their butt off in this game it may not have been their sharpest game or their most offensively prolific game they only scored two goals um, it maybe it wasn't the best goaltending game, although there was good goaltending at their end and certainly at the other end with UC Soros. Uh, but it was a game that I just thought they worked really hard in. Not everything fell their way, and they couldn't solve UC Soros, and I think that was the difference. I'm not saying they got goalied, uh, but I thought it was a game where you could definitely not question any element of the effort in this game. I don't think that's been the case all year, uh, but they outshoot Nashville in the game. Uh, by a final of 40 shots to 21. Flyers had 15 in the first, 14 in the second. What's that, 29, and then another 11 in the third. Nashville, uh, I think, only had, what, seven in the first, five in the second? So 12, and then they had nine in the third. Um, Just goes to show you that you can outshoot a team 40 to 21 and still not win the game. That's why... The shot metric is overrated, but the Flyers did have a a higher expected goals model in this game, and UC Soros was excellent. Some weird ones for Sam Harrison. Let's get to the particulars as Gustav Nyquist opened the scoring, and this is just a high tip play, and it's very difficult uh, for the goaltender to read the high tip, and you see it when you look at the replay. Because of the high tip and the way it kind of breaks down after Carrier shot the puck, uh, you know, Harrison's trying to almost collect himself. He's kind of looks off balance and flailing because of the high tip, and that'll throw any goaltender into some imbalance, and that's exactly what happens there. Nyquist puts the Preds on the board. Philip Forsberg and Carrier get the assist, and that puts the Preds up one nothing. That's how it ended the first period. Flyers did have three power play opportunities in the first period, and of their 15 shots in the first, seven of them came on the man advantage. Uh, they had some good-looking power plays and good-looking power play structure. Guys were moving. They just couldn't solve sorrows. They haven't been on the power play a whole heck of a lot of late. Matter of fact, just two times they've been on the power play, or three times, I think, in their la- or two times in their last three games that they've been on the power play. So you just haven't had a lot of power play work. 
and uh, in the first period, down one nothing in the game. 3:05 into the second, it's McCarron who picks up the goal, his uh, fourth of the season, put the uh, Preds up two to nothing. And when you look at this goal, it's on a delayed penalty call, and it appears to me, it appears clear as day, not just to me. I think anybody with a set of eyeballs and some semblance of vision or corrective lenses saw uh, that the Flyers had possession of the puck and it should have been blown dead, that they touched it up. I mean, I don't know how it wasn't blown dead. The referees in that situation are taught to be ready to blow that dead and at the touch of a puck. You know, you're almost on edge. You got the whistle like right there by the lips. Garnet Hathaway touches it after uh, before Luke Shen gets that shot off, but it's not blown dead. Play ensues. Garnet Hathaway ends up losing his stick. Now he's a player without a stick on the high point, man. Shen gets a shot that gets knocked down, and it ends up in the back of the Flyers' net. And part of the reason why they can't defend that is because <laughs> Garnet Hathaway doesn't have a stick as that puck drops to McCarron's feet. So, anyway, that puts the Predators up 2 nothing. I don't like to blame officiating, although that was a blown call. Um, nonetheless, Flyers down 2 nothing. Can they battle back? Now, one time this year, one time, they battled back from a multi-goal deficit and got points out of it. That was against Dallas. Uh, that was way back. Let me give you the date on that game real quick, as if it, as if it matters to you. Uh, but the Flyers lost to Dallas in Dallas 5-4 to back on October 21st. The Dallas Stars scored the first two goals of that game. Flyers scored the next two to tie it at two. Then Dallas scored the, the next two goals of that game, and then the Flyers scored the next two to get that game tied. Ultimately lost it 2-13 in overtime uh, when Joe Pavelski scored this time. Uh, it is not Joe Pavelski. It is a member of the National Predators who gets the game winner named Philip Forsberg. But Couturier gets the Flyers within one uh, with 25 seconds left in the second period. Just absolutely outweights UC Soros and slides it under the pad. Uh, that makes it a 2-1 game. Farabee and Atkinson with the assist. Flyers go into the third, down a goal, and 6:49 in. A patient Travis Sanheim, who kind of trails the play here. Uh, gets the pass and gets the puck and, and beats UC Soros. Konechny and Couturier pick up the assist, and the Flyers get it tied at two. But then just, like I said, just 18 seconds into overtime, uh, Philip Forsberg gets the game winner. You know, it, he, he takes the shot, and it lays on the pad for a second, the right pad of Sam Harrison kind of on the, the ankle or on the out, outer roll and then kind of plops behind him. But Harrison, you have no way of feeling that if you're the goalie. you got all this equipment on, uh, arm protection, chest protection, and uh, you don't know. You're just trying to squeeze and hope everything stays intact. But Forsberg, who took this shot, follows it and realizes it's loose and it plops behind him, and he just goes in and picks it and puts it into the net, and that gives the National Predators the 3-2 win. So uh, sometimes those things happen, and uh, the Flyers get a point out of it. And they get a five out of six possible points on the road. So they'll take it. Um, it was a good, good effort, though, once again by the Flyers. Uh, but UC Soros really has to be the number one star in this game. I don't know if they listed him here on the site, but uh, I'd imagine he was because uh, he was excellent uh, for the Nashville Predators. And he is one of those guys that can take over a game. He may be small in stature, uh, but uh, he is one hell of a goalie and, and had one heck of a game uh, for Nashville. I thought Arison, in a situation where he didn't see a ton of shots, played well. Um, you know, the first two goals, you know, first a high tip, the second one a broken play that puck ends up at the player, at McCarron's feet right in the high slot on a bang-bang play. Not much you can do on those. 
and then the one in overtime. And perhaps you'd like to squeeze that one and have it back for sure. Uh, but overall, pretty strong game from Sam Harrison, and uh, he'll get the overtime loss for the Philadelphia Flyers. The Flyers tie a franchise record 12 games where they've uh, longest road streaks allowing three or fewer goals. They went into the game uh, going 11 straight games with allowing three or fewer goals. Uh, the only time they've gotten to 12 was back on February 13th through April 2nd of 1974. I was two. I'm 51 now. That was a long time ago. <laughs> um, that is amazing. Why have they been able to do that? Allow three or fewer goals on the road? Uh, that's a commitment to team defense. But the odd part, is it's good goaltending, for sure. It's good penalty killing, for sure. Uh, it's defending less, for sure. Uh, but the big thing, the, the big element to that that is incredible to me is that they're a team that pushes the pace in transition way more than most of those years <laughs> between 1974 and now. Now, they've had some high-flying teams at times in there. But, I mean, the difference between this year's team and last year's team which you would have never dreamed of that last year, is that this team pushes the offensive pace so much more. Now, they spend a lot more time in the offensive zone because of that, but the risk is really pronounced in that you'll give up a lot of odd man rushes. To say they've gotten away with it, in particular on the road, would be an understatement. They've now gone 12 games for the first time since 1974, giving up three or fewer goals on the road. 12 straight games. That's astounding. That's just an incredible stat to see there. And when, you, when you're talking about since 1974, 49 years ago, that's an incredible, incredible number. So um, we'll see if they can continue to build on that. They're not going to be on the road for a couple of games. i uh, got Washington coming up on Wednesday, or excuse me, Thursday uh, at Wells Fargo Center. Get our first look at the Caps this year. And then we'll see the Detroit Red Wings get our first look at Detroit coming up on Saturday night at 7. And then they'll be back on the road against the New Jersey Devils. Look to uh, beat that three or fewer goal record. Uh, get it to lucky number 13 coming up next Tuesday against the division rival in the New Jersey Devils. And they'll come back home and take on Nashville again. Uh, so games are running short here in the month of December and in the year calendar year 2023. Uh, they'll wrap it up after uh, they go to Detroit on the 22nd, then uh, they'll come back home, have Christmas and the holiday at home, uh, and then go back out on the road to Vancouver on the 28th, 29th in Seattle. And then they'll head to Calgary for New Year's Eve and then head to Edmonton on January 2nd before returning to the Wells Fargo Center for the first home game of 2024 against Columbus on January 4th. All right, let's continue our series now on the Flyers through a third. As I take these headphones off, uh, the Flyers through a third, and let's look at some of the forwards for the Philadelphia Flyers. Now, we did the 10-D in yesterday's episode. Let's take a look at some of the Flyer forwards, and let's, we'll break them in half because there's 12, there's actually more than 12 that have played for the Flyers this season. Uh, but let's look at um, kind of the statistical leaders, and we'll work our way down. Statistics don't always tell the story. They're an element of the story. Uh, but when you look at the performances of, of guys like the guy we're going to start with is Travis Konechny. And, you know, he's not been perfect this season. He's been good. He's been spectacular at points. 
in 27 games, 16 goals, 7 assists, or 28 games, 23 points. He's been as advertised. You know, we were looking for Travis Konecki to take the next step in progression uh, from where he went last year when he was more than a point-per-game player, 63 points in 61 games. We're hoping he plays all 82 this year and sets a, a new high in career points. Uh, it, look, one of the areas that has caused him a little bit of a suffering of points is power play. He's only got three power play points. Two power play goals, one power play assist. Now he's got three shorthanded goals, which is tied for the league lead. But, you know, when you look at Travis Konechny's game and you're going to assess a grade to what he's done so far, he is a solid A. Like I said, he hasn't been perfect. His shooting percentage is over the is incredible, 19.3%. It's high. So is that pace that he's on, I mean, we're a third into the season. I mean, is he going to score 48 goals this year? Probably not. But could he score 40 this year? He could. He damn well could score 40 goals. So that is an achievable goal based on the pace. I mean, if you just extrapolate 16, a third, I mean, you're looking at four, basically with the pace he's on right now, you're basically looking at 45, 46 goals this year, if that pace were to hold true through the remainder of the games. I'll just say that he has a real chance to score more than 40, and that is a great thing. Um, Let's go to the next forward. How about Sean Couturier? Missed a couple of games, uh, but Couturier has now played in 26. He's got seven goals. He's got 14 assists. He has got uh, 21 points on the year in 26 games, and... He's playing 19 minutes and 35 seconds of ice time. And I thought that Sean Couturier got off to a really good start this year. Really good start. I thought he hit a little bit of a wall for a small period of time. I think he may have been a little dinged up as well, where, you know, he just wasn't as effective on face-offs in particular. And he, he looked like, you know, maybe the, the, a little of the adrenaline had worn off. I don't know if it was him nicked up or, you know, exactly what the situation was for Sean Couturier, um, but he has recoiled once again. And to me, he's not all the way back to where he was pre-back issues and pre-multiple back surgeries, but he's starting to get close. And he's starting to make me think that, you know, he can get back there. Now, is it sustainable? That's the question. And is it sustainable at almost 20 minutes a night? That's another question that I don't know the answer to. But Sean Couturier, A-. minus. He's been good. A little bit of a rough patch. I'll give him an A-. minus. Um, Joel Farabee played 56 seconds in a game recently. Um, he does have 10 goals in 28 games. He does have 7 assists. He is, a, or now, 8 assists, excuse me. He does have 18 points. Averaging a little low on ice time. I'd like to see his ice time come up a little bit. He's just under 15 minutes. I'd like to see that get closer to 16 and a half, 17 minutes. And I think maybe elevating his line up a little bit can take a little pressure off Couturier to play, you know, minute and a half less a game. That could help. Um, Farabee has been really good at going to the net. Of his 10 goals, eight of the 10 are scored from right around the blue paint just attacking the blue paint on the back door, being right around the crease, tipping pucks, being there for rebounds. Bobby Brinks found him down low multiple times this season. Tyson Forster found him, uh, has found him right on the doorstep this season on the back door as well, driving the net hard. That tells you he's a healthy player if he's willing to go there. 
Um, but his play has been a little erratic at times. He's a guy perhaps I'd like to see killing some penalties as well. Um, we'll see if that's in the cards this season. They have a lot of penalty killers, and the PK's been great. So it's not like, hey, put him in there. You know, can't be any worse. That's not the case. Farabee is a good penalty killer, so we'll see if that's an area where they can alleviate some pressure on some other guys. Uh, but Farabee, you know, right now I would give him a solid B on the season. Ten goals is nothing to shake a stick at through 28 games, so that's a good number. Uh, let's see just a little bit more consistency, as is the same case uh, with our next guy, and that's Owen Tippett. Owen Tippett's got nine goals on the year, eight assists. We've seen some moments where it was like, okay, his game is really rounding into form, and he's going to go on a run. And he did have a little bit of a run there. Um, but, but but Tip, again, still needs to get more pucks on net. I think sometimes he tries to be too perfect with his shot selection. Hit the perfect, tightest little spot. Sometimes you got to just get the puck on net. His shooting percentage is 9.9%. He leads the Flyers in shots at 91 on the season. I don't have any problem with how much he shoots the puck. I just like to see more shots get to the net. Now, that's 91 shots on goal. I'm not sure how many he's attempted, but I'm sure it's a lot more than that. So Tippett is a guy that, I mean, I'd like to see him hit the net more. And he's been really streaky, and I'd like to see a little more hot streak. So I'll give him a, a B minus, a C plus. That's about where I am. He's been inconsistent. I'd like to see his game round back into the form we saw in the final half of last year. Um, Cam Atkinson, same kind of thing. Got off to a great start. Eight goals, seven assists on the year, 15 points in 28 games. He's played them all. Um, I, I think he's a guy that, again, got off to a good start, but I think hit a wall. Last year not playing, I think hit him. And it's it's caused some efficacy of his game to dip. So, I mean, again, I'm going to go probably in that C-plus range for Cam Atkinson. I expect more from Cam Atkinson. I think part of it, like I understand, Part of it probably is the fact that he didn't play last year. Um, but I do expect more, and I'll expect more going forward. So I'm going to put him in that C range uh, for Cam Atkinson. And let's get to one more here, Bobby Brink. He's played in 22 of the 28 games, or excuse me, 23. Uh, he's got four goals, nine assists. And look, Brink is a hard one because I didn't know what to expect coming in. I didn't think he'd make the team out of camp. So just the fact that he made the team out of camp and he's made plays – should elevate his grade. I think there's been times when he has looked a little overwhelmed. I thought it was okay to get him out of the lineup for a couple of games. Um, look, the Flyers are small when Brink's in there, Atkinson's in there, and you know they don't have the biggest guys up front. I mean, they have other guys that, I mean, really, in their top nine, they have, what, three players with some size? Couturier, you've got Tippett. And you probably got Tyson Forster. Is that the only size you have in the top nine? I would think so. I mean, on the fourth line, you have Hathaway, Paling, and Delarier. But in the top nine, those are the only guys really with size. Um, and Brink does not obviously help your overall team size. But four goals and nine assists in 23 games, very solid. Just a solid B. Solid B for Bobby Brink, for BB. There we go. Uh, we'll get to a bunch more coming up in tomorrow's episode, but let's wrap it up there. Um, Flyers get that point from Nashville. They're back tied for the second spot in the Metropolitan Division. Uh, coming up tomorrow, we'll preview Flyers caps. Some people are calling Ovi old and saying that Chase Degretzky is over because he aged real quick. We'll dig into that with a Caps Flyers preview and more. Coming up on tomorrow's Flyers Daily. <laughs> 